Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 91, A World Without Shrimp. This week, we're discussing season 4, episode 17 of Buffy, Superstar, as well as discussing the broader themes and character development of series 6 of Doctor Who. As always, we suggest you watch these episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay. Superstar. Uh, very fun episode. Um, you said this was going to be fun, and it was. Uh, I want to start first just to, like, talk before we get into, like, Jonathan specifically and what, you know, he gets up to this week. Mm-hmm. I want to just kind of... Yeah broadly mention the premise a little bit um sure and you know i love a good you know postmodern self-referential meta you know thing that just <laughs> i mean well that's good because there's a lot of that in doctor i was gonna who say too. like in case you couldn't <laughs> tell since i love doctor who and buffy certainly is like that way quite yeah, a bit yeah, and yeah. this episode is like yeah the most ever oh yeah um So, if you don't like that, then this is probably not your favorite episode, Um, but I like it, so I'm happy about it. I think this is a great episode. I I always enjoy when I, and I always, I always forget about it until it's, like, upon you, and then you're like, oh, yeah, like, this is great, like. Yeah, no, it does, like, just sneak up on you, because we haven't seen Jonathan mm. at all this season, Um, right? I don't think. No, no not you're since, right. Like I think um, towards the end of season three, we got where he's in the bell tower, um, right? And uh, and then it's at the end that one well, and, and right. So right, because there's the prom. Well, right at the where... very end, he gives Buffy the class protector award, and and then and then which we get a reference, which we get a reference to, to. and then uh, and then I guess we see him around the graduation too like he's in the we see him in the graduation so, right he's one of yeah he's one of the people preparing remember they're like taking in the uh, fertilizer yeah. right <laughs> right so we haven't seen him since then um so no yeah no you're right season four we have it, not seen so it just kind of suddenly recall. he springs on you and like devours the show and everything <laughs> it's great um yeah. Yeah. it actually reminded me of something which i only would have this quote to share because I watched this like recently, like within the last couple of months. But when I finished um, Battlestar Galactica a couple of months ago, I watched, they have a series of videos of a panel discussion that the Paley Center did um, about that show, which Jane Espenson wrote for that. So she's one of the panelists. And sure. Seth Green is actually the host of that panel. And um, oh, nice. so he starts talking about in relation to Gaeta on the show, how he really liked how his story went. Um, and one of the things that uh, Jane Espenson said in relation to that was, uh, that's one of my favorite things is to take, uh, or sorry, one of my favorite things to do is to take a secondary or tertiary character and put him at the center Nobody in real life is a supporting character. Everyone is the hero in their own story, so you can tell those stories. And they're often the most interesting stories because it's the character you've never looked closely at before. So as soon as I saw this episode, I thought of that because I just heard her say that recently. And it was like, 
if I'd known about this episode when I watched that, when I heard her saying that, I would have absolutely thought of this episode instead. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, oh, well, of course that's her favorite thing to do because here you go. She she did that. Um, so interesting that that's a particular, like, pet thing of hers um, to kind of put, sure. a, you know, I guess in Jonathan's case is kind of a tertiary character. Like, he's not one of the regular supporting characters, but he's sort of more on the fringe. But he gets to kind of be the star this week. Um, mm -hmm. and then the, the superstar, superstar. and then like, just in terms of the, the meta element, I love that, like, it goes so far as to, he inserts himself in the credits, you know? So like, not only, <laughs> not only is he yeah. like made himself the best at everything and the center of everything, but it's almost like he knows he's a tertiary character in a show. And he's going to make himself the star of the show, too. Like, so, mm. like, he's even in, like, the fabric of, like, the TV show itself. And, in fact, my only yeah. criticism is that they didn't have it start with, like, starring Danny Strong as Jonathan. Like, I really wish sure. that that... <laughs> I was a little <laughs> disappointed when it was the regular, like, credits. Like, even though there's, like, insert yeah. shots of him... I thought, oh, they just stopped one step short of perfection. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I mean, that's just what I would have done. That's not necessarily like, you know. I suspect that part of the reason they didn't put the credits in um, is because, like, they they didn't actually have to, like, change, you know, the length or, like, anything really. They just sort of pasted isn't the right verb, but I'm going to use it anyway, pasted over, you know, sort of existing scenes with Jonathan. Yeah. So like, whereas like inserting an actual other right. name would probably mean like more, yeah, recutting well, and that and kind of thing. It, this so, just occurred to me too. There are things like, uh, where you are in the credits has to do with like your contract. Like, you know, like, like sure. what order you're in or like who gets like, you know, with uh anthony head as giles like that's a particular thing in your so like maybe it would screw up the right. legal department to like for one time only stick someone else in the credits you know so there's which, probably which those is kinds why of they have like considerations yeah which is why they typically have like the directed by right written by whatever in the actual episode right, exactly. portion versus the credit part because it would be more difficult to change that on a yep. weekly basis yeah so I, I i understand i just if there's in a perfect world if there's one more thing i could do <laughs> that would be it but um but i do like it anyway like i love that he's like infiltrated the credits as well um and I guess just, like, the last thing, too, like, on that same vein, I like that it starts kind of uh, in media res, like, we don't see him cast the spell, you know, because it kind of mimics the way that, you know, yeah. the characters don't know what's happened, you know, and it kind of dawns on them. Like, at the same time, we have to kind of, suddenly the world is different, and we don't know why. And so, you know, yeah. it kind of sneaks up on us the same way, and we have to spend the episode trying to figure out, like, what happened. Yeah. Although I should mention um, that that story does actually exist. Um, 
as a comic, ah. um, written written also by Jane Espenson, um, and I think the comic is just called Jonathan. Or <laughs> of course, like it is. That. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So um, I think it was written afterwards as like a prequel okay. uh, to the story. It not it's not like. Um, you know, the origin comics of Buffy, which were based on the movie script, you know, which was written before the Buffy series. But this is like going back and saying, okay, well, how did he get to that point? And he got, I mean, we get a little bit of backstory here, right? You know, it was after the whole, um, earshot uh, stuff where he goes to counseling and, you know, someone has a spell, but like, apparently I haven't read the actual comic, but apparently it goes into more of that sort of detail. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I, I like that as well. Cause it, I like the, um, sort of escalating feel to it because it's okay. You know, Buffy is fighting and there's Willow and Xander and Anya standing by sort of, giving direction and pointing fingers yeah. and saying vampire over there yeah. uh and she kills that one and that's fine but then they go into the nest and you're like oh when has buffy ever like shied away from fighting a bunch of vampires at once yeah. like that's not very right. often a lot of you she's more likely to just sort of right you're in. like but, okay, there okay. Are, there's a couple of them but not that many like yeah what's the fuss about and then yeah she's like oh, let's go get some help. And so, of course, you're thinking, like, Riley or Giles. or Like, they're going, you know, to one of the usual. And then you cut to this, like, mansion. And there's a chair. And then the the turn, you know, the quintessential, you know, turning of the chair. And it's Jonathan. And you're like, wait, what is going on here? Um, So I I like the sort of escalating feel to that. But I also like, I really, really, really like all of the somewhat subtle and somewhat not so subtle things that they do because when you really like sit back and like and i mean there's stuff that i noticed each time uh, that you just notice how much detail mm. they put into really making the entire thing all about right. him yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like, um the, the one posters thing that, on the wall like like riley's yeah. you know jonathan poster and um, right, right, and and it. I think it. I I like it just because it's fun and you get to notice. All, but I also like it because then it forces you to notice. Well, what was there before right. that? Yeah. Like, do you know what the poster was that Riley had on no. his door? It's a poster of balls, of different sports oh. balls. That came out <laughs> wrong. I should have clarified <laughs> that up front. <laughs> it. It's a poster of various sports okay. balls. And now you will notice that. And That's I think funny. one of the things that I like about this, and, and we can get into like more with character yeah. stuff too, is that it forces you to think about those types mm. of things that, you know, maybe not on one or even two sittings, but each time you go back to it, you're like, you know what? I, I know that there's, it, you know, it's like what Adam said. This he doesn't quite know what's wrong, but he knows he, these something's are lies. Something's wrong. Yeah. This yeah. has changed, and so and so you have to, you do have to step back. And I think that that's, you know, going back to what you were, you know, the quote that um, Esmondson said in the panel yeah. there. I think that's fascinating too, from my perspective as a viewer of those types of stories. That, you know, that that you do get that aspect, not just in the sort of 
minutiae and stuff around. Although I like that they paid attention and put that detail yeah. in, but but really to the more important stuff that's done with the characters yeah. uh, and and sort of how they react to him and realizing what you know it's like um you know the, the in learning how to draw sort of one of the techniques that they say is don't look at what's there look at what's mm. not there you know you're drawing the spaces not yep. the filled in parts and and that kind of thing and and it, i think this has that sort of feel to it well at, and it it um, it reminds you that you're watching you know a piece of tv and everything and like it draws like you said like okay now that i've seen the jonathan poster now because i've seen that i will now notice the real poster that's supposed to be there and you realize mm -hmm. i mean like in film terms that's what they call mise-en-scene is like all the stuff that makes up the yeah, frame yeah you know yeah. and you it it's so easy to forget that all of that is there hand-picked like riley's room isn't some place that is just there and they go and film in like no like there are whole meetings where people decide okay what's riley's room gonna look like and what kind of stuff does he have in it and like you realize like there are whole production teams whose job it is to decide that and it reminds you to pay attention to that because it's not just like this naturally occurring space it's like a really specifically designed bit of set and if you pay attention to it it might tell you something about riley you know like you know yeah. not that like i wouldn't write like a whole essay on what does like the poster say about riley but it, like <laughs> i mean it's it says something right. about like it could have been something else it could have been a rock band yeah it's a typical job yeah, poster but, like, of it could have yeah, been something like, else like it could have been a rock band or it could have been a supermodel or it could have been whatever but no it tells sure. you riley's the like the sporty jock guy like it's a little subliminal thing to tell you about him and so mm -hmm. having had something else there it's kind of like right. it's kind of like the same thing with jonathan like seeing him be so different in this episode reminds you of what he's really like just like seeing buffy mm. act like faith reminds you tells you more about buffy and like how they're different from each other it's like it's kind of sure. like the same thing on like a production level yeah. like having all of their rooms be different and the whole world be different kind of puts into relief what the world is actually like um it's like yeah. well it's not like that whatever the world is like it doesn't revolve around one sure. person <laughs> um so yeah. and maybe like maybe we can get deeper things out of it than that but like it's interesting. And and so like this kind of experimental stuff does remind you like how much you just take for granted and don't even think about. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot, I never actually mentioned the thing that I noticed, um, which wasn't the poster. Uh, it's this time. And I mean, again, I've seen Buffy enough times that it's possible. I noticed uh -huh. this before and just forgot that I've noticed right. it before, but um when she's making, when they're sitting there in the coffee shop and she's making the cup of uh -huh. coffee, she's putting sugar and yeah. whatever in it. And then she hands right. it to Jonathan. I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and it's so, like, 
completely yeah, subtle, totally automatic. Casual, yeah, this is just you know, what we do. The sort of yeah, well, and it's just like yeah, okay, someone gets a cup of coffee, you put some sugar and you stir it and whatever, and then like it's the kind of thing you wouldn't necessarily even notice. But then she just yeah. hands it to him. No, no word. He doesn't even say thank you. Yeah. Like it's just expected. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you know this yeah. little exchange that happens. That like you said, like can you imagine Buffy ever doing yeah. that? Like. For yeah. anyone, let alone yeah. Jonathan, right? <laughs> like, and not, th- and not that it's, not that she would be mean about it either. But it's just like, no, you're your own person. I'm my own yeah. person. I'm not gonna Fix make your you own coffee. coffee. Yeah. Like, yeah, get your own coffee. Like, that's I'm getting my own coffee. You get your own coffee. That's perfectly well, fine. Well, and it's like, not like, yeah. I mean, they're not like. I mean, I was gonna say that's not like normal behavior. Like, maybe if they were like. You know, you can imagine, like, couples doing that for each other. So it's not to say there aren't situations where that's, like, normal. But, like, yeah, like, two friends or people just sitting, like, it it does kind of jar you, like, what is going on? That I definitely picked up on that the first time. <laughs> well, and I think, I think I picked up on it because I was distracted by, like, the huge amount of sugar she put in. Like, she puts, like... <laughs> A truckload. So I'm staring at the coffee, like, what are you? And then she handed, so my eye was, like, right. on it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, wait like, a wait minute. Wait a minute. This is kind of strange. And I wonder if they um, did that so that you'd be paying attention. Like, if it's, like, you know. So, oh, the absurd yeah, like, of sugar. We're, yeah, we're going to, you know, over-sugar this just so that you're kind of have your eye on what she's doing. But yeah. I don't know. But yeah, there are all um, those little touches which are really good. But I think I think too, just in general, like you know, I mean, we've we've talked about. I mean, acting has its in, in Buffy. The acting is sometimes better than others, sure. but like I think this episode too, you know, goes back to even just like you were saying about between Buffy and Faith. Like you get to see how well they can be in each mm-hmm. other's shoes in this case it's still buffy but not buffy you know what i mean like it's it's another example of like like it's just so casual whatever and like even like the quipping like we we've always seen jonathan as sort of a nervous you know whatever kind of guy but now we get to see danny strong being really confident and powerful and him in this you know i don't know that he has like the hugest range of any actor but like i was kind of I was surprised sure. by when he comes back at the end and he's like his old self. It mm-hmm. kind of threw me for a second because I'd forgotten that he was like that. That's what he actually you know, is yeah, like, right? Like his I character. forgot that, that that he was quite as like and maybe he's guilty so he's even more so than usual, but like that he was as mm-hmm. kind of awkward and mousy and shy, you know, like yeah. Because he doesn't start the episode, he starts it in, like, full superstar mode. Um, and he does right. that with such, like, confidence and flair, you know. And like you were saying, it's been long enough yeah. since we've seen so, him. So, like, I wasn't um, sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, what an amazing actor. But, like, at the end, when he comes back and is, like, the normal Jonathan that we know, I was kind of like, oh, wow, he really convinced me because I've co- kind of completely forgot that he was really like that sure. to begin with. So Yeah. So I um, think he did a really and, good job. Um and sort of and 
you know, Buffy playing, playing off that and, and all the others sort of, I mean, you know, Xander, he's always kind of just goofy uh-huh. or whatever and, and overstacing. But like, I mean, all the other actors too, just are kind of like, like in their relation, like you really believe that Giles is kind of confused by why would Buffy yeah. be the one to yeah. lead us or, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or well, Buffy was right. Yeah. Buffy was right. Yeah, it doesn't seem like yeah. it, does it? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. just like like the playing, uh, those kind of things. But, um, yeah, I was going to say, like, even like Buffy trying to quip and not quite, like, you know, even that, like, she's just so used to giving the, you know, one-off yeah. little, you know, puns or, you know, sayings or whatever. And, like, this time it's like she's trying to do that but not quite mm-hmm. succeeding. And, you know, and and which kind of, from an acting perspective, I feel like is even harder to sort yeah. of pull off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like then, then just yeah, saying effective, uh, the effective normal bad acting is better than, is, is harder than, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 It's harder to kind of convincingly not pull something off than to like, yeah, just do it. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, great premise uh, mm-hmm. overall. Um, well, I guess to talk more about, like, Jonathan specifically, one of the things that really... Oh, well, I did like... Just one quick thing. I like the little, like, James Bondy music that follows him around the episode, too. The, like, yeah, yeah. when he turns yeah. in the chair and you get that, like, da sting of, like, trumpets and stuff. It's, yeah. like... That's funny. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, it didn't occur to me until like kind of the second viewing, but it is interesting. And I mean, the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it's all going to come back to Buffy, but I think it's kind of significant for Jonathan that like he does this spell, you know, to make himself successful and popular and famous and all these things. And what is it that he chooses to be and to besides to just be the best he chooses to be one of the Scoobies. And, like, yes, the leader of the Scoobies and everything, but, like, even amongst all the kind of, like, you know, self-aggrandizement, the fact that he, you know, he doesn't go off and, like, yes, he's a sports star and a musician and a he's in the Matrix and all this other thing, but, like, you know, really it seems like and we could have guessed this maybe from him being the one to give the class protector award, but that tells you something about the the pedestal that he puts Buffy and her friends on. That, like, given sure. a world where he can do anything, that's what he does, you know? And I don't know mm-hmm. that that means he wants to be a Scooby and fight and risk his life and do all the stuff that they do, but they're the ones whose approval he's yeah. really seeking. And so it's interesting yeah. to kind of have this character who's on the fringes and probably never going to really be one of the group. Like, I don't, you know, I'm sure we'll see Jonathan again. I'm sure he'll pop up. But, like, I don't imagine that he'll ever be, like, inner circle Scooby, you know? Right. So, you know. Yeah. I, well, and, I mean, we can speculate about that or not. But the the future, I mean, I... I think, yeah, because certainly, like, he does a lot of stuff 
so to speak. I mean, it's all magic, yeah. so he doesn't actually do right. any of it, right? But, um, you know, writing a book and creating new sneakers yeah. and, uh, you know, having albums and being able to play jazz mm-hmm. trumpet and sing and all of these different things. But yeah, like, at the very least, I think you can say, right, that he sees his relationship as Super Jonathan, you know, to the rest of the Scoobies as important as all of these other celebrity type yeah. things that people do. And so, like, and you're right, like, he definitely seems to be viewing them on the pedestal. And, I mean, he talks about, you know, at the end when he's back to normal Jonathan, mm-hmm. he comes over to them yeah. to yeah. apologize. Like, they're the ones that he feels like he's yeah. wrong. And he says other people are mad at him and whatever. Uh, you know, so I think I think we can definitely view it in that light of like if it's not if it's not at least that he wants to be like the slayer, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like he definitely wants to be part of their crowd, maybe even more than other guys. Because like he doesn't have any other friends, so to speak, in the episode. I mean, yes, the twins, right. <laughs> of course. But, like, I don't know if they're friends, yeah. per se. You know what I mean? Like, um, and, like, they yeah, move out. chief they of police. They move out at the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, if they ever I mean, like, the chief friends, of police yeah, is yeah. over, and, you know, he has, like, stalker Karen. Right, but, and, like, none of these know, are bunch his of people, friends. But, they're all people who've been, like, magically seduced into... And they're yeah. not... They're not people who like, 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 like the Scoobies, he hangs out yeah. with them. Like he's part of their inner circle. Like you said, like he's, you know, going to Giles's house and they're going to his house and they're having meetings and stuff. Like he knows all of these other people through the virtue of his fame and success, you know, magic though it may be, but they're not the ones that he wants to hang yeah. out with. Like the Scoobies are, I mean are the ones that he wants to hang out with all these other people who he sort of knows are all peripheral. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's right. Like it's, there definitely seems to be like, which is funny because we, we get a sense all, especially like in all of the high school years of Buffy of, of it being like, they're the outsiders, but to Jonathan, they're the cool kids. And so like, that's, that's an interesting perspective, mm-hmm. I think, like that we can look at and, and see if that affects things. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Yeah, again, by showing you that outside perspective, it gives you a new, you know, way of looking at the things we see all the time, you know, yeah. and appreciate them a little bit differently. Um, but let's see. So, I mean, well... Thinking about where to go. And, well, and I was going to say, like, I kind of feel like we've covered him just in most of the premise stuff. Because yeah. all of the specifics are just playing yeah. that out in a way. Like, there's not, I don't think there's a lot, which is maybe all that needs right. to be said. I don't know that there's a lot to say about Jonathan as a character, except that he wanted to have this lifestyle. Right. Yeah, and, we still don't really know much about him. 
Yeah. Because again, he's trying to be something he's right. not. Like that this is how maybe he sees things. The only thing that I'll say that I'll say is that I think we need to understand the fact that he legitimate like I think we should take his saying at the end that he didn't intend to hurt right. anyone right up like he wanted to be famous and friends and and when Buffy you know asks you know if he understands why people are angry about you know them being part of his little puppet show he's like that's not what it was at all we were friends like that's why I did this like yeah this is the way he thinks friends happen is you become popular mm -hmm. and then people yeah. like you, which, you know, is as true as you want it to be, I guess. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that, you know, this, there's clearly like the motivation isn't bad, I guess is yeah. what I'm trying to get at. Even if the method yeah. of his, you know, trying to achieve it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I believe him flawed. when he says that the kid glossed over the monster, you know, like, you know, it, it, he, even even his methods, he didn't necessarily realize they would be as dangerous as they were. Yeah. And, well, and, and I give think him credit if... for, like, he never becomes villainous. Like, he, he does a kind of suspect spell, you know, and he does definitely brush the monster under the rug, you know, so you can criticize him for those things. But at the end, when it kind of seems like, oh, is he going to lead Buffy into this trap? And oh, he might push her in the cat. He doesn't, you know, it's like they yeah. get there. And maybe he thought about doing that. Maybe he didn't. We don't really know. But he doesn't. He like, clearly is starting right there's that, there's that moment. moment but i don't even know how much that's him thinking about you know doing it i i wonder if it's like he knows this is getting out of control and the the kind the jig is yeah. kind of up and so they're going to face the monster and he kind of suspects he knows yeah. what the outcome's going to be you know and he kind of tells buffy you know the more you fight it you know, the weaker I'll get and eventually the spell is going to break and he pushes the monster in and almost falls in after it, you know, so very nearly, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, he yeah. does fall in. It, well, Buffy right. saves him. So, so it's... basically, you know, sacrifices himself, you know. So, like, it's never, it's never, yeah. uh, you know, you never really, like, get to where he's, like, actively, you know, willing to hurt people for his own you know popularity right. and stuff um right like he he totally thinks this is an innocent thing and 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 not that there's like we can hope we could wish that he was a little more self yeah. uh you know reflective yeah. about things like it might have been you know if you know anything about magic you might know that sometimes there's a price to go along right. with the nice things that you get from right. it. But he doesn't uh, know anything about you, magic. You, you, yeah, but you don't have to read a lot of fairy tales well, to get true. that far. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, that's a pretty stand, like, even if you don't believe that magic is yeah. real, uh, you know, in a sort of mundane world, like that always seems to be a component of the stories you hear yeah. about magic. So like, 
in a world where you actually know or have seen magical things happening, it's not a. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to get to that yeah. conclusion. But he. But it's more the lack of uh, uh, self-reflection that he he's so focused on wanting to be popular and make friends and influence people <laughs> that he just sort of glosses over all of those things yeah. and uh, focuses on what it can do for him and not what it might do to mm-hmm. other people. Um, and that's, it's that manipulation, yeah. right? That Buffy is sort of trying to get across to him at the end. Like this is not a good way to treat people as though they're your toys. And, and he like, again, even though he seems genuine, and I think we can believe him when he says that didn't intent. Like there's, there's always that thing of like, does intent really matter if you hurt or, you know, get people killed or that kind sure. of thing? Like you may not have intended it, it but happened. that's yeah. the result. And was it preventable? I think yeah. it was like, yeah. you know, like it didn't have to work this way. If you had just sort of maybe sat down and thought about it and got past your feelings of inadequacy or whatever uh, yeah. to get there. I didn't mean to be quite that critical of him, but I think there is, no, I, I don't think we can just like, obviously the whole thing is based on what he does. So anything that goes wrong basically comes back to his actions. But I think we agree that like sure. his motivations weren't harmful or, or the effects were, but like they weren't malicious, let's say. And, and, yeah. and when he realizes it, he does, Right. do things to break the spell and stop it. Right. It takes it takes him a little while yeah. to get there, but in the end he does at least step yeah. up and realize that he needs to give up his fame and glory yeah. and whatever and, and Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess one of the questions will be did does that end up working? Does he continue to work with the Scoobies or not? Like, is that something that prompts him to actually gain real friends instead of sort of people who he manipulates into being his friends? And we'll see if that is true or not, perhaps. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Scoobies might be a class of people who are a little angry with him right now, but (laughs) yeah, but also I think we can see Buffy's sort of, going over and talking to him, I think there's, you can see that maybe there's a little bit of forgiveness there too. Uh, You know, and that even what she says to him, which again is sort of repetitive of what he says Mm -hmm. to her, uh, which actually is another point I want to get back to, but um, that things are complicated and hard and it it doesn't all work out with one grand gesture. It's, it's the long Mm -hmm. defeat, right? It's a constant battle. There's, uh, you know, you have to keep working towards something if if it's worthwhile uh, and if it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. So, you know, that's just the way life rolls. Um, and I wanted to, to mention, you know, so his advice to Buffy and to Riley and whatever, like, and, and sort of the broader point of, I don't think that the spell at all gives Jonathan any more insight or um wisdom <laughs> knowledge or yeah. wisdom like I don't think those are part of right. the spell 
I think the spell is how people perceive him, interact yeah. and perceive and yeah, all of that kind of thing, which is interesting to me because yeah. like I think that that shows like if if that's true, if I'm if I'm reading that right and feel free to disagree or not, but if I'm reading that right, uh I think that shows that like it's one of those things where like if if you want to take away a moral of the story kind of thing that isn't, you know, don't manipulate people. There's also the moral of, but actually the quiet people, the ones who are sort of on the sidelines and not speaking up may actually have some valuable input yeah. if you care to listen yeah. to them and prompt them to give it to you because they may not, you know, Jonathan in this episode is superstar. And so he's going around giving advice like, right. you know, people want it from him and they seek it right. from him but like i don't think that like even at the end he's like you know i, I forget what i said exactly but i think it's right mm. like i don't i don't think we're supposed to take away like that he's any less insightful just because he's less right. popular now like i think that all of that is there it's just that he with the spell he has the confidence and sort of the means mm -hmm. and and wherewithal to actually state it to people well and, and people are receptive of it you know like and like people are receptive you know of it. Yeah, yeah like the insights are his but which is like a vicious cycle right. like it's is it are people receptive because he's confident or is he confident because people are right. receptive and like which is you know where where does that begin yeah. and end? yeah like they definitely wouldn't have you know sought out uh his opinion on anything really before this but, you yeah. know, when you get to know him and you actually sit down, he actually does have some good advice and some good insight. Um, but, you know, how they wouldn't have necessarily, they certainly wouldn't have asked his opinion before. And if he'd given it, I don't know how much, you know, weight they would have given it. Um, sure. So... Yeah, I mean, like, a reminder to both sides, like, both for him to, you know, have more, you know, confidence in his own ideas, and then, you know, for yeah. the the more kind of popular crowd to not, you know, judge the book by its cover, and, you know, he Which might have more going on than you realize. It didn't just occur to me now, but... This is the lesson of your shop. Exactly. Well, right? That nobody is yep. listening to what other people say. And and I mean, again, there's sort of two sides of that coin. It's because they all have their own stuff going on in their yeah. own heads. But maybe if we all did sort of take a moment to listen to what other people are actually saying, things could be a little bit better. You well, know, and, and, and listening to getting out of your own head and listening to other getting, people right. might help you with your problems, you know, right. like, right, right. you know, and definitely Jonathan in that was, you know, the quiet type who had this whole big, you know, inner tor turmoil going on that nobody had any idea. So, yeah, again, you know, not realizing kind of just how much is going on inside Jonathan can like have some almost disastrous consequences. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it does pair nicely with earshot and I like the way it kind of follows up on that. Um, 
And that we even yeah. find out, like, he has been in counseling and he even met this kid. It's like, yeah. what kind of other troubled of kids course. is he meeting in counseling, of course. Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you get the sense of what he's been doing, you know, since... And he's not suicidal anymore, so that's good. But he hasn't quite had yeah. the, you know, breakthrough in his own self, you know, image yet. You know, to really... He's still kind of trying to find easy solutions, you know. Um, so. I'll be interested to see when he... I assume we'll see him again. Maybe I could be wrong about that, but... Uh, yeah, it's. I don't think it's a spoiler to say we'll see Jonathan again at some point. I won't tell you when or yeah. how or what his role is, obviously, but um, I... He's he's a popular tertiary sure. character, as you've noticed, um, and uh, I think if anything, this episode probably Cemented gives people that, yeah. a call. Yeah, um, you know, and we didn't really talk about the Mary Sue aspect of it. Uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you yeah. know, like the the whole. So, uh, for those who may not know, uh, Mary Sue being sort of the like the fan fiction insertion of yourself into yeah. a storyline, you know, yeah. so that you get to interact with, uh, and, and this isn't my insight into this. I mean, I think Espenson, uh, said it or, or someone yeah. close to the production said like, it was very intentional mm. that this was the case that it, that makes you know, it even more uh, meta sort of than going, it already was. <laughs> yeah. Sort of going along with, you know, like what you were saying. And I think we've, so, and we've seen other sorts of those meta type things, right? Even like with sort of the hints between like a relationship between Buffy and mm. Spike with, you know, like it seems like whenever there's ever any two characters on any show, there's almost always someone out there. Of course. Them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you can so find anything that if happens. you look for it. Yeah. Um, and I think similarly, when you have like these recurring characters that are you know just sort of on the fringes you're always going to have people saying well i want to know more right about this person. yeah i want to and so that's like what you were saying before with jane mm -hmm. esmondson just saying she likes to do that and sort of build them up i think now that we've seen jonathan in a more prominent mm. role you get people calling for even yep. more prominent roles for well him. that makes so, for the best kind of spin-off fan fiction is like the untold stories like you know, okay, well, we don't get to see Jonathan, so what was he doing in that year between when we last saw him? Yeah. And, or know, even, like, like the what really happened. Yeah, like from Jonathan's kind of point of view. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. the alternative yeah. POV and everything. Um, yeah. Well, and then... Uh, it's sort of like the wicked, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, aspect. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, the other... Thing which kind of defines the Mary Sue, you know, is also like, not only is it, you know, your self-insert, but of course, because it's yourself in the story and you're getting to enjoy it vicariously, she's always perfect at everything, you know, like it, everyone yeah. adores her, which is totally what Jonathan, like, she's the best, he's right, the best right. at everything. Everyone loves him, you know. When, when it's going to be taken away, you know, Sanders says, world without sunshine, world without joy, you know, so 
Like so not only so not only Xander's I want to talk about love I want to talk about Xander. Um, But like so not only do you as the character get to like play in the sandbox, but like you become like the centerpiece and like totally, you know, integral to the story and like, you know, all Mm -hmm. your favorite characters just adore you and everything. So yeah, that's great. And not you're right, and not only that, but yeah, like you said, you're integral. So like you're actually helping yeah, them yeah. out. Like How it's not even that they adore you. You, it's you like, know, yeah. Right, right. So yeah, that's fantastic. Um. Um. Well, <laughs> okay. So to move over, I mean, we talked a bit about Buffy and how she's sort of, you know, sort of Buffy, but not really. Like, it's almost like because Jonathan is the star. Buffy can't be Mm -hmm. the star to her normal extent. So she's still the Slayer, but it doesn't really mean anything because Jonathan's there. So just the very fact of his presence, like, screws everything up. Like, so she can't, you know, (laughs) quite be totally effective. She has to, like, let vampires get by her, like, for no reason. Just because otherwise, what would Jonathan do? So... You know, right. and her saying, like, I'm the Slayer. That's supposed to mean something, isn't it? Like, shouldn't I be the best yeah. at this? <laughs> and, right, and it's, like, she kind of knows something is off, but can't yeah. quite put her... Yeah, again, like Adam, you know, it's like, there's some, there's a yeah. lie here, but I can't quite put my finger on it, like, what, what exactly is wrong. And I like how, like, that plays out with all of the other characters. We're like... <laughs> everyone like doesn't really believe her like wait we're starting a meeting without Jonathan yeah. why like why are you leading this meeting this is and, the meeting and yeah and 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 again with you know Willow like wait Buffy yeah. was right <laughs> like it doesn't seem like no, no. Yeah. like you know all of these things uh you know some of them more subtle than others and yeah. and um but then even just getting to mm-hmm. like Riley where you know it's like well, it's ridiculous, but actually yeah. she seems to sense things that we don't, so we should probably follow her just in case she's right. Yeah, I, and I like, <laughs> like, I like the way of showing his kind of loyalty to her that way. Like, it's not like he is having the same sense that she is. Like, he totally, like, buys it as much as anyone yeah. else. It's just that it... it and in a way, Buffy herself yeah. even does, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Like, like she also is sort of like, I feel this way, but I don't really know yeah. why. Yeah. And like, um, it's like trying I, to remember sorry, like, I didn't the dream mean to, like, that you had. Like, I know it was really weird. Yeah. I just have no idea what it was about. Um, uh, but no, a good way of kind of showing his loyalty to her that he's willing to trust her even if what she's saying makes no sense to him (laughs) yeah yeah uh i like to so like when they're sort of having the discussion and jonathan walks in and is like oh can i join and and buffy's like well you know i'm not really sure like (laughs) what's going on or whatever and then (laughs) and then uh Jonathan's like, well, Buffy's right. And Xander, no, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this can't be. And then he gives this, like, really facile, like, not explanation at all. And Riley's like, oh, well, that explains yeah. it. So, like, not, like, facetiously no, or anything. Like, like, he's legitimately no, convinced. That must be it. Yeah. This, this completely makes sense. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like all his support of Buffy just yeah. out the window. Like, oh, okay, well, this is what Jonathan says, so that actually makes sense. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like um, he believes her that she notices something's wrong, but Jonathan just gave an explanation. So what more explanation do you need? Right. Really? So he's, he's clearly, we, we, we right. covered it's, this. Yeah. it's, it's only that, right. It's because Jonathan said it was right. The fact that Buffy's happened to also say the same yeah. thing doesn't actually right, matter. Right. It's just that Jonathan, this, this, you know, <laughs> this is a weird connection perhaps, but this reminds me of the whole, like, vaccination that's going <laughs> oh, on no. right now which is so irritating <laughs> to me uh because like you have all well, the these connection people or the debate like, <laughs> well the debate and the fact that i'm connecting uh-huh. buffy to this but um no that like you have all of this scientific mm. evidence showing that vaccinations work and that there is very little if any like connection between things like autism and you know this and that that yeah the study was used as an argument yeah like that's totally outdated and scientifically disproven but but if you say that to people they have all of these things but then there are some people who will be like oh well obama says the science is you know correct so therefore i believe obama or some other politician says the science is not correct so i believe it's like you're appealing to these people who have nothing to do with yeah. science and whatever. And it's like, how about just look at science? Yeah. But, you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's this whole appeal to authority yeah. when Jonathan walks in the room that it's like, you know, Buffy as the actual slayer, any credibility that she yeah. should have and that she normally does yeah. have goes right, right out the window. And it's like, oh, well, this authority who doesn't actually know anything about anything but because of this sort of magic that's surrounding mm-hmm. him uh actually that whole analogy as like a politician kind of works for him in this yeah. episode like that and it's it's bizarre to me why people and, and it's not just like that's just the example that comes to mind but it happens with I mean, we could say on the vaccination debate like why would anyone ever believe anything Jenny McCarthy says like about science because yeah. She's not, and, and not that, that she can't know. be. It's an, it's an right. Not that she can't here, be yeah. an intelligent woman or anything, but it's like she's not a scientist. Like that's not like why do people believe these people who aren't scientists? Is really what it boils down to. Like, what about them? Are you? They're not more trustworthy. In fact, they're probably somewhat less trustworthy because they don't yeah. know really the science behind it. So like, that's the thing that 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 kind of gets to me. Well, and like as fame is such a blinding thing, like because Jonathan is the center of this world, you know, everyone just takes what he says on faith, you know, which is not so far from like the literal reality of how fame works. Um, You know, no, it's not at all. If you say it and you have like, you know, a political or media platform your yep. what you say goes a lot further than what any of the rest of us say, you know, and influences yeah. a lot yeah. of people. Yep. So, didn't mean to go off on that tangent too far, but no, um, I mean I think that I think that, that works. works. Um. I guess I mean it's also nice too, just to kind of uh, wrap up Buffy and Riley that what you know, the advice that Jonathan gives them does seem to make something of a difference, you know, that because they are able to hear him, you know, 
when he actually has something good to say, um, you know, yeah. they understand each other a little bit better. And I kind of like the way they don't ever really have a, the big, like, knock down, drag out, fight or talk or like it's it wasn't about that. They didn't need to, like, convince each other of anything. They just needed to sort mm-hmm. of understand each other. And once they did yeah. that, they don't really have much to talk about. Like, once Buffy understands that, you know, it really wasn't Riley's fault and you can't really blame him for it. And once Riley understands why Buffy feels inadequate and insecure about it, that's mm. kind of the end of the conversation, you know? And it's kind of like yeah. they don't, they just dance, they don't talk. And at the end, you know, she's kind of like, well, we're not yeah. talking, but whatever we're doing, we're doing it good. So, right. Um, right. Yeah, because it, and like you said, it's not about. Um, they're not really having a fight. Like, there's no it's problem. Not, it's there, not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's not like a resolution. It's like, like you said, an understanding. It's it's just accepting. Like, this is how you feel. Yeah. Okay. That's how you feel. Like, there's not, you're not going to fix that. It's just yeah. a feeling. Like, you know, and, and how do you move beyond that? It's okay. Well, let's figure out what feels good. Well, and it, and oh. it's actual kissing, kissing feels good. So let's keep doing and this. And it's actual like <laughs> healing. Like, it's not like, it's not yeah, saying like, yeah. I don't think this is what you were saying, but it's not saying, okay, that's how you feel in a like, let's agree to disagree kind of way. It's like, once they understand right. how each other's, no. how they feel, they feel better. You know, and then mm. suddenly Buffy's not so upset about Faith and suddenly Riley, you know, isn't so kind of concerned about what happened. Like, they actually do, you know, their feelings improve, you know. Um, yeah. And I like the, after having um, Xander and Anya, you know, their little thing about Anya saying Jonathan's name, uh in bed, then you get the little, you know, callback just in the last second before cut to credits, you know, with Buffy. Yeah. Jonathan. <laughs> so it makes you wonder yeah, yeah, yeah. how long right. is, are the effects of this spell going to linger, you know, <laughs> like maybe for a couple days yeah. while it wears off, like people are going to, you know, forget themselves. So oops. oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. this didn't occur to me before, but it's like, okay, just as they're getting over, the shadow of faith between them. Now there's like, you know, the shadow of Jonathan. (laughs) Sure. But. No, that is, that is a funny moment at the end there. Um, yeah, it's, so it is good to see that they're sort of resolved though at the end. Like it's, it's, Nice to see them back. Like, it didn't take too long, I guess, after Faith no. left. Um, <laughs> and the other thing, so the one thing I like <laughs> about Riley, and it's kind of subtle and just sort of throwaway, but he goes, did anyone else feel way I too felt tall? way too tall. I felt way yeah. too tall. Like, I love that they turn around. Because, because there is I that was moment totally when, thinking that. Like, when in his scenes with Jonathan was like, gosh, Danny Strong is really short and whatever his name is, uh, whoever the act, Mark, Mark Lucas, Lucas is really tall, but you don't notice yeah. it like until they're next to each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and like when he comes in, he's a tactical consultant. And everyone's like a foot uh, and, and a half taller than All of him. the soldiers are yeah. taller than him. Um and I wonder they must I like I I wonder if they actually had them like like if Danny Strong maybe isn't wearing shoes right, or something right. even. Like to like just like make right. it seem or if they like, like hired really tall dis- actors or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but the 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 other thing that I was going to say about that is like it's just kind of funny because um, I, I mean, there's been all sorts of studies and whatever that taller men are more successful in business and whatever, and like are perceived to have more mm-hmm. authority and this and that kind of thing. But like in Jonathan's, like the magic doesn't change Jonathan's no. height. Like it doesn't make him taller or anything. But what it changes again, it's about perception, right? It changes the perception that shorter people are actually the ones with mm. more authority. And it, so it's not even like, like you kind of feel like shorter people all over the world maybe got a little right. boost. Ha, I didn't even mean it like that, but like, yeah, that they, yeah, like their sort of stations improved all over, you know, not just because of that's now the world where they live in is that shorter people actually are more successful right. in general. And Jonathan just happens to be sort of at the peak, yeah. the pinnacle of the or your, short your shortness makes you more like Jonathan and therefore a little bit cooler. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. just kind of funny. Uh, the, the, how that flips there. And, and, and like, he's right. He, he's well, right. Uh, and with Riley, Riley seems very self-concerned. Well, and with it. Riley, like, the problem now tall. is like, he was too tall. So tall becomes a, right. A like deterrent rather than like, it's, it's not good right. to be You're tall, tall and gangly you know? or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hilarious. Um, speaking of cool, uh, I also enjoyed Xander's line about, like, wait a minute. So he made a spell just to make us think he was cool? That is so cool. (laughs) Like, even as he's trying to intellectually grasp what's going on, that's still part of the spell. Like, and I kind of, I mean, Xander's... He has a total man Oh, total. And, you know, of course it would be Xander, you know, who's all about feeling and instinct who's like the most completely you know under the spell like he's the one who like cannot understand you know at all what's even going on like and and actively resists going back like Mm -hmm. like once giles and willow kind of figure it out like they may not believe it but they can kind of intellectually grasp what's going on but like yeah. Xander is like having none of this. Like we this yeah. this is why the world is as great as it is and can't we just stay yeah. like this forever? Um so it goes along with his kind of like you know instinctual character. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I like <laughs> I like Anya's description of like how a world different than yes. the one they're currently in is you you could even you could even make like a freaky world where jonathan's some kind of not perfect yeah. mouth breather if that's what right he, right like so you know just don't ask yeah. me to live there so, like the alternative to this is not like the world as it is where jonathan's like an ordinary person it's like you know the worst thing imaginable like like that would yeah. completely change the fundamental shape of reality if jonathan wasn't perfect 
Um, I actually, there was a lot of good stuff with Anya. Uh, I mean, yeah, I wanted to talk about her and Buffy scene there a little bit together, which that is from, but I think this may be the first time we've seen the two of them alone together. Well, you, you realize that Anya, how much she relates to the group just through Xander, like, you know, um, Kind of like Oz, although I feel like Oz was more so involved in the group. Like, you've got scenes with him and Xander working together, or you got, you know, even him and Buffy at times. But um, Anya so far seems like what she's interested in is Xander. And, you know, he's part of the group, so she's part of the group. But, like, you right. know, she's not necessarily going to come to the Scoobies on her own. Um and, like, even here, like, when Buffy just wants to come in and look around and, you know, like, she's, like, annoyed <laughs> that she's even, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, like, if Xander's, if Xander's not here, why are you here? There's no point for you if Xander's not here. You know, we can't relate to each other. We have to have Xander here. Um, yeah, and when I told and, you he's not here, you're not going away, and that doesn't make any sense. And And they continued adjusting to mortal life kind of thing like where how to be oh, social and come in and welcome yeah. like the, you know this is very awkward yeah. oh you're still that's here nice. that's yeah. nice <laughs> yeah no she's hilarious and buffy like i i can't quite tell and i i mean maybe ambiguity uh-huh. is part of the intention but like i can't quite tell if Buffy is being intentionally like ignorant of Anya's comments there, or if she's just so sort of absorbed that mm. like she really doesn't notice what I, you know, sort of. I took it as like that she's just like too nice to say anything. That like, you know, okay, Anya's being kind of weird, but like she's not gonna like get upset about it it's just like well that's Anya and she's a little bit strange you know <laughs> but I don't know could be yeah I don't know either so I just throwing it out there um, we also should mention her shrimp analogy you know which is how we we gave that title gave that quote to, to our title this week because it kind of is how she explains the concept of alternate universes which is important on both shows but um, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll remember that when I'm trying to explain, you know, maybe you like shrimp, maybe you don't, but you can, you know, create worlds and, you know, she keeps getting obsessed with the shrimp, like pawns and prawns and <laughs> stop with the shrimp. We may get references to worlds without shrimp in the future right. as well. <laughs> It's one of those things like the mm. bunny uh, fear that continues to crop up from time to time. And usually when you're not yeah. expecting it. Yeah, one of the little Anya-isms. Yeah. Um, good stuff. So, yeah, no, the whole scene between Anya and Buffy is is fun. And like I said, I think that's the first time, or at least the first significant yeah. time, where like the two of them are sort of together and interacting mm-hmm. and... Um. Yeah. Uh, Willow and Tara. Well, we. Any thoughts we there? We don't get a ton of stuff. I mean, 
especially, uh, we get a little bit more with Tara. I mean, we get her kind of, well, they have their shrine to Jonathan, which they build. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which is fun. Um, And, uh, you know, with Tara, you get her being attacked by the monster. So that's cool. Like, you get to see her do some magic on her own, kind of in, you know, so without Willow, which we we knew she was a witch before she knew Willow, so could have mm-hmm. presumed that she can do magic on her own, but kind of seeing her pull that out of her hat in an emergency was cool. Um, even though mm-hmm. it seems like it kind of took it out of her, and she spent the whole night in the closet and terrified, so she kind of yeah. doesn't look too good the next day, but um, I don't... Yeah... I don't like yeah. it. I think that's out of character for Tara. Which, which in my own personal the, the 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 like she's almost catatonic the, right, yeah. for the entire yeah. night. Like we see Karen get attacked and she's right. fine. And I feel like Tara who knows about magic and yeah. stuff uh would have a better reaction yeah. than that, especially given that she has the presence of mind to use yeah. magic against it, the creature. It immediately. does seem like overkill. Like there's no kind of real reason for it. Um, yeah. Like, okay. So she's was alone and terrified and that's, that's not good. And you know, but like she was kind of barricaded in a closet. Like she wasn't, she wasn't right. like right. beat up that bad. And it's not like there's a plot reason, like, she can't be able to communicate something. Like, she tells Buffy what happened. So it's not like there's even a really good plot reason why she can't tell her, like, you know, what's going on or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I... I've always found like why that can't she just seen to sort of be, be like a little why out can't of she just be a little bit freaked her, but... out, but also telling Buffy what happened? Right, and maybe she hid in the closet for an right. hour until the she didn't hear the monster anymore, right. and then runs to find yeah. Willow and Buffy or whatever and tell them what's going on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I prefer uh, the anyway the Tara doing awesome emergency magic to like damsel in distress Tara definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she got to do some stuff on her own, which is cool. And she's yeah. interacting with Buffy now and the Scoobies, which we haven't really had before. Um, a little bit, right. not a ton. Right. Oh, right. She only just sort of got yeah. introduced to recently, Faith. So, <laughs> but uh, well, and to Buffy as to Buffy, in right? Buffy. But like now, she's actually met the real Buffy, and you know, and she's right. at, she's and the with them at the Bronze and everything. So she's right. moving more into the group, which is cool. Um, yep. I don't really have much for Willow, just the stuff we talked about. Um, yeah. No, other than that, like like you said, you know, she sort of is able to intellectually figure out what's going on. She finds the augmentation yeah. spell and that. Um, oh, speaking of spells... Forgot to mention Xander's bout oh, with yeah. magic. Don't speak Latin around um, books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I. 
it goes back to like that seems like a very simplistic spell mm. and it goes back to the idea of i just wanted to point out that you know we've talked about sort of early on in buffy but haven't brought up a lot recently of magic being a little more sciency mm. in a way where it's literally just a matter of saying the words you know yeah. the the right conditions right. and and having the right recipe right. almost uh for it that anyone even xander right. can do certain things but there also seems to be other things that require more skill and dexterity and that right. kind of thing and yeah you know so anyway just throwing that out there yeah. as a as yeah an like not that every xander... spell requires like you know huge amounts of ingredients or like calling on a spirit or something right. like some things are just simple right. and um and and that's somewhat significant because this is the first time that xander really does mm. magic like of his own accord. Now we had him and Oz sort of assembling magic ingredients at one right. point in the library and like that kind of thing. So I mean, it's not the first time that he's like helped, but it's like he speaks words and magic right, happens, right. and this is sort of the first time that that sort of right. thing happens. So just just to make note of it, and we can move on. Don't speak Latin around the book. Don't speak Latin. Around um, I mean, and I guess for Giles, like, that's, like, we just get a couple good lines, like, that one, and, um, the fact that he has Jonathan's swimsuit calendar sort of hidden under his, you know, <laughs> it was a gift. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a gift. gift. Um, so Giles is always good for a laugh or two. Um, well... I guess Spike and Adam are the last two we really need to mention. Um, for Spike, mm -hmm. we get, uh, you know, I love the, like, way he comes out of the shadows, like, you know, the kind of <laughs> more cliche than he really is villain and, like, has, you know, well, sure. it's the man himself. Like, all says all the villainy things that he should say and... Yeah, he's not really prone to hiding. No, shadows, he acts is he? different. Like normally, he's just sort of strolls yeah. around. He's and... another thing, like like the credits and the music that seems to kind of get warped by Jonathan. Like he becomes more mm -hmm. of a cliche villain than he actually is. Like he behaves differently. Um, but uh, so you know, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like like that's the one thing that. Jonathan isn't very good at and Buffy is. I guess that's appropriate, right? Because Spike's the vampire and Buffy's the vampire slayer. But, like, Jonathan kind of just threatens him and it doesn't really go anywhere. But Buffy you know, knows where to hit him, you know, with the blood supply and, like, actually gets, you know, a result out of, like, you know, threatening him and everything. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And then again, like we had with Faith, we have him again promising that one day we're going to have, you know, a showdown between the two of us. Yeah, and again with sort of a weird, like, creepy sexual yeah. vibe to it, too. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. And then Adam, you know, 
brags about being the only awake and self-aware person in Sunnydale, and he's kind of right. <laughs> you know, like Buffy has a sense that something's wrong, but Adam isn't even affected by the spell. Like he, it's not right. like he, it's not even that he is aware of his own, like, delusion. He does not even recognize Jonathan on the TV. So, to my mind, that means right. the spell had, like, no effect on him at all. Um, like, otherwise, he would maybe have recognized Jonathan, but said, oh, but I have a sense that, you know, this isn't right or something. But, like, right. yeah, but, like, the vampire has to explain to him who Jonathan is. So, you know, it would seem, you know, now whether he is more alive than anybody else, I don't know. But it would seem that he has some sort of, you know, perception that is higher than what other people have. Um, and he decides to just do nothing about it because his, his <laughs> role is to cause chaos and this is doing that. So yeah. he's just going to let it do its yeah. thing. We'll see where yeah. this goes. Uh, and, and, so we get a little more information too about his sort of physiology, mm. if that's right. the right word. Right, like um, he doesn't eat, I guess, and and right, and you can't like like wounding him even really severely isn't going to work. Like they said, like you can't cut off his head. Like I I right. got a flashback to like the judge. Like they said, you have to obliterate him, and I thought, where's yeah. that bazooka? <laughs> Go, Buffy, go get that yeah. bazooka again, because that's like the level of like obliteration that you're gonna have to deal with here. Right, and he lives on uranium, so basically he's for for the intents of mortal people, he's basically gonna right. live forever. Like there, you can't, so he can't be killed. He's gonna live yeah. forever, and that's not good. If you if you want to destroy him, you have to do it all at once and completely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, not looking good. Again, again, where so this is like if we take each season of Buffy as like sort of an escalation of mm. big bads, like this is the next mm. step, right? So we had the master, and then we had Angel, who was arguably like worse mm -hmm. than the master because it wasn't just opening hell mouth. It was like completely destroying the world yeah. kind of thing. And uh, then you have the mayor who ascends into this big yeah. demon thing. Um, and now you have this demon, humid cyborg hybrid that can't just be yeah. killed. It has to be completely somehow completely uh, obliterated all of yeah. that. So, so you see that sort of escalating. I won't, and whether or not that continues to escalate quite in that way, you know, for every mm -hmm. season we can talk about, but um, just wanted to sort of mention. Well, and like, like even like an escalation, like not just physically their threat, but like kind of morally too, like how evil are they? Like, I feel like there's an ascending level of like, sure how evil or amoral are they? Like, Adam seems like mm -hmm. a next step. Like, he doesn't just want domination like the mayor. He wants, you know, and even the mayor, we argued, has 
you know, some understanding of human affection and, you know, whereas Adam definitely doesn't, you know, he doesn't love anything or anyone and doesn't really want to dominate. And he just wants death and destruction and chaos. Um, So, yeah. Yep. Not looking good. So for the Scoobies. Not looking good at all. All right. Yeah. Well, well, and I guess the only, the one last thing I want to say about that is again, sort of in line with what I said about Jonathan not necessarily being any mm. wiser or you know more insightful because it's felt like I think like this information I think we can take as accurate yeah. about it. Right. Like it's right. not like. You know, Jonathan discovered it, you know, because he's super right. Jonathan right now. Right, and, but that doesn't mean you know, it's can, wrong. Can, yeah. can see things maybe that others hadn't put together before, but that's, like, it doesn't mean that it's yeah. false. It's just sort of all I'm yes. saying. So we can take that seriously, okay. I guess. Anyway. Good to know. We should move on to Doctor yeah. Who. Because we have some stuff to talk about. For we do. Things. And the first thing we're going to talk about is our favorite yeah. episodes. Uh, what was your so. favorite episode of the season? <laughs> so I chose A Good Man Goes to good War. Good choice. Humans run when a good man <laughs> goes to war. Um, and... Yes, so, I mean, I guess I could have chosen, uh, well, because they're not, so, we don't get any, like, real two-parters this No, only the opening season. one really qualifies, you know. Yeah, well, and I was going to say, but there are, but, like, because it's more of an arc they lead into it. Right. So you could kind of pair this with let's kill Hitler a little bit, even though they're totally different. Yeah. Right. Well, (laughs) yeah. So anyway, focusing on a good man goes to war. Um, I mean, I like it because, you know, we finally sort of, well, not sort of, but we do finally learn about mm-hmm. River and all of that kind of stuff with her. Um, obviously not the full implications. I'm sure there are many implications we still don't yeah. know about. But at this point, even in the season, like, we don't know it all. But it's it's a big turning point. And, and like, even, I mean, and it's sort of called out right at the beginning, right? Because we have Rory going back to get River and River's like, no, <laughs> I can't yeah. help because this is the day that the doctor finds out who I yeah. really am. And, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So, like, like I like that we get there and um, it's where we find out that River is actually Melody Pond and, and all of that stuff. So, I mean, there, there's definitely, I mean, there's all of that aspect to it. Um I also like it because 
this is not well it's not the doctor victorious mm. but it's the doctor intentional mm. <laughs> like like so much of what the doctor does seems to just be on the yeah. fly making things up but this is where we get the real effect of what the doctor can do when he really wants to get a particular yeah. outcome <laughs> uh, and like the extent to which he will go yeah. to get that um, and even though in some respects the episode's a failure, which, you know, again, it's really haunting to see a baby turn into a yeah. pile of goo. Uh, but, um, you know, so yeah, in some respects, like, he isn't successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but also, like, he he is because you know again a lot of things sort of not everything i mean it's halfway through the season so it's not yeah. like you know we're getting all of the answers or whatever all all here but it's it's giving you a lot of stuff to sort of work with and so now on the back half of the series you can you can get some more answers and you can get some more um insight sort of into what what's going on and the implications mm. of these things but this is where sort of that turning point is of you know we well and even i mean if if this coat goes along with let's kill hitler it also goes along with the almost yeah. people right and the rebel flesh which are oh actually that's a two that is a two part you're right i forgot so, about that yeah uh but i mean you could look at those two and Good Man Goes mm -hmm. War and Let's Kill Hitler almost as like a whole four-part yeah. mid-season right. arc uh, in a right. way because it's what we learn about Rebel Flesh and the Almost People and, you know, sort of the experiments with the flesh and all of that and then, you know, the implications that that then has for Melody slash River and Amy and you know all of those all of those things which i guess we get that sort of at the end of the almost people right is when we find out that amy is actually flesh. yes amy um yeah so anyway like all of that to say like i think at being in the middle of the season it's a very good pivotal episode because uh we find out that stuff about river and all that but also because it sort of it provides the uh, momentum, mm. you know, for the rest of the season to kind of go to where it needs to go to yeah. get to well, uh, the wedding of Riverside. And so. uh, I like what you said about how, like, it kind of, in retrospect, you realize it's, like, setting up things which are, you know, going on. Like, you don't realize kind of the full implications until later. Like, um like kind of the darker side of the doctor that you see in like you know the girl who waited and the god complex you know is really kind of set up you know here in in, in like sure. the kind of reverse sort of warning to the doctor of what does the, being the doctor mean you know like mm. if you're called the doctor what kind of associations do you want that name 
to have, you know, it can be wisdom and healing and, you know, all these things, or it can be vengeful and manipulative and bloodthirsty, you know, um, and Mm. it, it, it kind of depends on who you ask, which of those things the doctor stands for. Um, right. You know, like... Right, what, like what... I don't remember the exact quote, but, you know, like when it's like, you know, well, not a soldier or whatever. It's like, well, then why right, is he right, right. the doctor? It's like, well, that's, you know, that's what the yeah. doctor means, is to be a warrior or whatever. And it's like... And well, that's from, uh, you, know, you know, Lorna Bucket, who doesn't necessarily see him as an enemy the way that, like, the silence do. But she... So she seems to, like, respect him, but she respects him for his, like, military, you know, accomplishments, not for his, like, silly madman-in-a-box kind of whimsy, you know? Like, she values him, but kind of for the wrong reasons. Um, Sure. And, uh, I mean, I think the other thing it kind of starts to set up, too, is I want to talk later about, like, the end of, like what we find out about the silence arc and like, you know, the first question and all that stuff. But that one line the doctor has about um, when he fakes his death and then, you know, says, I I got too big. It's time for me to slip back into the shadows. So I like the way that this episode kind of shows us like what him getting the bigness, bigness. like, yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, Remember, those were all the things, I mean, especially when you think about River, that's what she praised her doctor for in front of the 10th doctor was like, you know, my doctor could turn armies around with the mention of his name, you know, and mm. his name being significant and, uh, and, and, you know, he had a swagger and everything. And she made that sound so cool, but here she is now saying, you know be careful, you know, um, you know, that could go the wrong way. And so you have him at the end of, you know, after the stuff with Amy and Melody and kind of messing that up a bit and getting a bit too big for his britches. And then, you know, the quieter, but no less disturbing episodes of like the girl who waited in the God complex. I think at the end of the season, you kind of have him looking at all of that and saying, ooh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, the the occasion of being able to fake his death is one way of him pulling back from that, you know. Conveniently, since history says I died, I can fake my own death sure. and, you know, act like I died, and then I can hopefully maybe live a quieter, you know, less you know loud and you know crazy way so it kind of also sets up that like that's not to say whether he'll achieve that or like where that story goes but i think it's the beginning of setting up that arc you know that he's gotten too big and now he's gonna try to step back a bit So, yeah, it's good. I like it too. Um. So yeah, that's that's my pick. And I mean, I we could we have 
already <laughs> gone into like the full episode, yeah. so we don't need to recap everything here. But that's those would be the the primary yeah. primary reasons. Um, I picked probably obvious and boring, but I picked the doctor's wife. Um, and you know I don't care because it's so good that. Yeah, who cares if it's obvious? Um, and I'm trying to think of yeah. something to say that I didn't say in the episode itself, and or in our discussion. And one thing that kind of occurred to me was like, I think it's really hard when you do like a big, you know, mythological episode to not get to like not get carried away with that and make it too kind of overwhelming and mythic and info dumpy and all that and like i thought one thing that neil gaiman did really well with the episode is you know he's clearly kind of doing i mean talk about fan fiction like writing stories about jonathan and stuff like this is definitely neil gaiman telling untold yeah. stories you know and saying we're going to tell sure. a story from the TARDIS's point of view rather than from the doctor's point of view um, and get to hear her speak and what would she say and everything. But, like, I like that he doesn't get too carried away with that. Like, I like that he keeps the story kind of small. Like, you know, it, mm. it's not a very big episode, even though the implications of it are huge. Like, it kind of makes you read everything that came before and after differently but like the episode itself isn't like big and crazy and action-packed and like not a lot really happens you know and so, i i like that he kind of kept it small that way so that like you really have time to get to know the character of the tardis and let the actress like get to say all the fun lines and go to town on that um so, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say because I feel yeah. like I waxed all my love for this episode already, but. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, no, I, I think it's good. And, you know, it is sort of a standalone yeah. in a arc-heavy yeah. season. So, um, I feel like, so, and this was the other one that mm. I would have picked too. So like, I certainly agree with you on a lot of those points, if not all of them. So, um, definitely, definitely think that this is a good one. I think, you know, one of the things, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's, it's sort of just a joy to be able to see the TARDIS as mm. like a person. Um, and, and a lot of that is sort of the relationship that, has never been able to be yeah. expressed in the way that is that it's expressed in this episode, but certainly exists. Like it's, you know, like even the things of like, <laughs> you know, what's that thing you always call me, you yeah. know, Oh, sexy thing or, right, you know, right. whatever it is, like, you know, sexy girl or whatever it is. And, and yes, that's it. That's my name. Yes. <laughs> you know, sexy, come on. Yeah, sexy, yeah. Or, you know, And um, that sort of thing. But then also like the moments of like, you get the feeling of so i mean obviously the doctor's wife is like we talked about the yeah. title and sort of how that was going back and sort of like doctor who yeah. and, and very 
very much meant to be a sort of, um, you know, red herring as far as the actual content of the episode and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I also like, I wanted to talk about just sort of their relationship, uh, as far as like, there's also just sort of a personality Mm -hmm. that they share that isn't, that isn't anything like it's, you know, it's like the idea of finding your people, you know, like that, the idea you get across of that they chose each other, like, you know, that, that there's that whole, you know, okay, we've heard before that the doctor stole the TARDIS and that he says he borrowed it, but just never took it back kind of thing, whatever. But then you get like, you know, the TARDIS's perspective of, no, I chose you as well. And like, this is, I mean, yes, you can look at that, you know, some, from sort of the romantic, Mm. you know, yes. Okay. Great. Husbands and wives, if they work well together, like it is that sort of mutual choosing and, and acceptance of each other. But there's also just the sense that they're just really good friends, you know what I mean? And have been through a lot together and, and that there is, like, you, you know, the sort of, there's the quintessential, you know, opposites attract, but then the, there's also, you know, birds of a feather. Mm-hmm. So it's like, which of those is true? And in a way, we get a bit of both, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the, the doctor's wife between the doctor and the TARDIS. Um, but there's also just sort of like from an experience and sadness and whatever, like you get, you get... We, we've gotten the past with the Doctor, and we don't see it as much with this Doctor, with the 11th Doctor, as we had, especially with the 10th and, and even the 9th Doctors, uh, as far as, you know, sort of the mm. guilt and the effect of, like, losing all of their, and sort of being the cause for the loss of all of their other Time yep. Lords and, you know, the people there. But here... Like we get some of that yeah. sense of of the TARDIS being the last mm-hmm. of the TARDISes too, um, and along with a reminder of the Doctor being the last one because there's that whole pull on the pull on the strings when it's like oh right, there's right. more out there and oh I there, this is from someone I knew right one even. of the good ones like, it's yeah, not just yeah. A, yeah, not even right. Right, it's not just that it's a random time lord. It's not even a time lord I knew, but it's a time lord that I liked and that was one yeah. of the good ones. Like you know, like you know, we've we'd already seen what had happened when he tried to you know like rescue the master right. and stuff, and you know get uh, you know work with a time lord that he obviously he knew but it's not like they were right, friends right. <laughs> you know so like that like we'd already seen how that worked out now it's like almost like oh you get this opportunity and then just find out well it's like no, not only does he think too. he might be able to save some of them but they would actually be worth saving you know right right so we get that reminder but then on top of that we get the tardises reminder or I mean, it's not really remind- like I guess we we've been told that it's the last TARDIS, right? Like that there aren't any more or no more can grow right. or whatever. But like when they're looking over the field of the like corpses, the TARDIS yeah. junk pile, yeah, and he's like, you know what I'm thinking, <laughs> and we're all like, yes, that you can build a new one, and she's like, that these are the corpses of yeah. my dead sisters, and it's like, oh, yeah. 
oh, actually, Sorry. we need to think about that from yeah. her perspective because that's it. And if like the persona, like it's one thing to say it as like we know that there are these blue boxes called or what? I mean, I know they're not all police boxes yeah. like this one is but like that there are all these machines that are tardises whatever but it's not like you can't get that empathy and similarity of personality with the doctor of having lost everyone else in your Mm. entire race without like i i feel like just having that as like the tardis as like a machine kind of thing is too far of a step removed from a living being even though we sort of know that there's some sort of living entity. Yeah, in no, it means TARDIS. more coming like, out of a human mouth. Yeah. Right. It's not until you put it into a human that we as viewers and just as sort of the limitations of our human capacity yeah. perhaps can really relate yeah. to that and seeing that and having that come out of her mouth, you know, in that way. Yeah. So for all of those reasons, I agree. Like that, those were the things that I liked mm. about it, and and why it was on my list as well, on the short list at least. Well, and uh, uh, he, I mean, you mentioned the connection of like, okay, so the Eleventh Doctor does seem more removed from like the immediate emotion of the time war and everything, and you know we get a reminder of it here with the with the boxes and everything, but also. Um, talk about setting up for a good man goes to war, even though this is a standalone episode, there's the line about fear me. I've killed hundreds of time Lords. Fear me. I killed all of them. Um, you know, which is a great sounding line and kind of does its job, but like there is kind of a brutality to him at the end of this. And you understand why, I mean, he's house is a pretty, you know, despicable, character and has been like trying to kill all of them like you know not only did he kill all of those time lords and all of those tardises he's now trying to eat the doctor's tardis and is gonna like torture Mm. and kill amy and rory too so like you know what a jerk jerk. and so you know i don't think we like you know i don't necessarily have a problem with the doctor for saying that line and for getting rid of house and everything but once you've seen a good man goes to war and the rest of the season, I think you can kind of see how he's on a slightly dark path and thinks rather highly of his own ability to like, you know, kill people (laughs) and like, and, and and kind of of brags about it. I mean, yeah. And I mean, we've talked about the problems with figuring out the subjective length of the doctor's yeah. lifespan. So we don't know for him how long ago the time yeah. war was, uh, but he seems to be over <laughs> now. Like, like there was a hesitation yeah. um, at times less than others, but there was a hesitation to do anything too big and bombastic yeah. or whatever you want to call that we don't get that hesitation Mm -hmm. in a good man goes to war, right? It's, you know, Rory standing there. Oh, I have a message. What's the message? Ships blowing up behind me, you know, like that's, that's that's what's going on. And so like, there's, yeah, there's no like real, there's no like, Oh, is killing bad? Should I be killing living sentient creatures? Should I be giving them? Nope. They stole my friends. I'm going to Yeah. No philosophical, 
debates about second chances and, you know, um, right. So yeah, no quoting the shadow proclamation or, you know, right. Right. (laughs) Or citing it or whatever. Yep. This is just, I am here and I'm going to blow you up and that's it. Like you need to give me the information I need. There's not really any negotiation. That's about too long. Yeah. So just do it. So, yeah. So even though it is a standalone, I like the way it works in the season that way. Like, you know, I wonder how much, I'm pretty sure that was a, just a Neil Gaiman line. I don't, I think I've heard him talk about that line. Like that wasn't one that like Moffat wanted to have added or anything, but it does really work within like the, arc of where the character's going and everything so um sure so yeah well i have a couple notes um about reception and actually i wanted to start by saying the other uh episode that i thought about picking in which i think you did too was the girl who waited and i actually have something i forgot to mention when Mm. we did that episode um which was that with sure. that that those were the three Hugo nominations this year. So it was a good man goes to war, the doctor's wife, and the girl who waited. So fine choices, all of them. Um, and yeah. uh, so we so are we're not, not alone, alone. Is what you're Hugo saying. Hugo voters agreed with us that those were the three. Um, and uh, so I wanted to mention that for the girl who waited, and also the writer Tom McRae, who has written for the series before weirdly he wrote rise of the cybermen and the age of steel which Hmm. is like nobody's favorite episodes (laughs) so i think from what i have can understand i think when people uh saw he was going to write an episode they weren't necessarily that excited and then you know you get the girl who waited who which is like completely out Mm. of left field like it seems like the kind of thing like Moffat would have written or somebody who's really good at the like, you know, kind of deep, twisty, timey-wimey philosophical stuff. But you get them coming out of, you know, this guy, Tom McRae. Yeah. So good good on him is all I can say. And he hasn't written again for the show. I hope he comes back because uh, I think he really knocked that one out of the park. Um, but uh, so sure. I wanted to mention... A couple more nominations just for the kind of season. Um, BAFTA TV nomination for special effects, um, National Television Award for most popular drama, and interesting, Nickelodeon Kids' Choice for best UK show, which is, you start to see it in American show awards shows, which mm. is not something that's really been there before, I don't think. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, well, and also People's Choice for favorite sci-fi or fantasy show, um, and Saturn Award for best youth-oriented series. Karen Gillan had a nomination, uh, two nominations for The Girl Who Waited, um, an SFS, SFX Best Actress, and a Canadian Constellation Award. Um, and the whole writing team had a nomination for the Writers Guild of Great Britain for the season. Um, and then a couple wins as well. Um, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan won National Television Awards for most popular drama performances. And 
Matt Smith and Alex Kingston won SFX Actor and Actress Awards and a TV Quick Best Family Drama Award they won. Um, so, and then just to launch and kind of wrap up in terms of like popularity and reception, um, for like the American point of view, this was the first full series that aired on the same day in the US as the UK, which is what we do now. Like it's time shifted because of the time zones, but other than that, it's basically the same day. So you get it, you know, becoming more mainstream in America. Um, they added sure. the special little Amy introduction to the US broadcast, mm -hmm. which is the only yeah. season they did this for. So you can kind of see them using that as like a way to get new viewers in. But once people start watching, they, they drop it. So they don't do that for season seven. Yeah, I was going to say, did they even do it all through They this do whole it season? for the whole I season, but it's the only season. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so I didn't. I didn't notice it on all. I did notice that it occurred, but I like thinking it's back only on it, if like, you watch it on certain outlets. Like they're not on the DVDs, but they are on Netflix. So I think it depends on like yeah, yeah. where you get them from. Oh well, maybe that's why because I've only seen a few episodes yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, it so depends on where you get them. Um, so yeah, so I think they did that on BBC America, and that must be where Netflix got its content from, or something. Probably, um, I would imagine. So. Uh, in general popularity, you know, it had strong and steady figures in the UK, and it contributed to BBC America's highest third quarter to date. Um, and it was al the, also the show, and specifically season six, was the most downloaded show of 2011 on iTunes in the US. So, kind of exploding in popularity over here. Um, and in terms of like the critical reception, I think it had a bit more uneven than series five, probably because it's a bit more experimental. So you're going to get like, you know, at the same time as Moffat's like messing with the format and doing all sorts of crazy things, you're going to get people saying, oh, we wish it was, you know, the same way right. it had been before. Um, but you also get like the vocal, but, you know, minority anti-Moffat crowd starts to crop up too, so um, there's that. Um, you know, and, and part of that is <laughs> the gender stuff that we talked about, but also with his experimental stuff, like, people start to get on his case about, like, the puzzle box storytelling, you know, which went from, like, being in self-contained episodes to being, like, the whole season, you know? So suddenly the yeah, whole yeah. season is structured like Blink rather than, like, just one episode. So, um, you know, I guess your mileage varies as to whether how successful that is. And, I mean, the, the figures are really high, so I think most people are on board. Um, but, you know, for those people who don't like that sort of thing... You know, Moffat's show running isn't necessarily their favorite. Um, sure. Well, and we could talk about that. I mean, certainly. I mean, no, no show is going to have perfect structure. Yeah. I mean, no creation by a person is going to be perfect. So there's always going to yeah. be room to criticize. To, 
sort of criticize and say, well, it could have been done better this way. Um, I mean, I like Joss Whedon, so mm -hmm. like I tend to like season long yeah. story arcs. Like those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't grow up with Doctor Who, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and I think we've pointed out that even in, in the earlier seasons of New Who, there are at least hints about things, you know, that are going to happen yep. throughout uh, the season. Although certainly there are a lot more just kind of standalone mm -hmm. stuff going on. Um, so I don't, I mean, where the we, I kind of feel like where the weaknesses were in this season weren't structural. Mm but were with particular yeah. stories like curse mm. of the black spot. Like, you know, I don't think that having a standalone story at that particular point in the season was yeah. necessarily bad. The story they chose yeah. to put in there could have been strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that kind I of think thing. you're but probably I... right. Like, cause the problem, I mean, you can find things to criticize about like the major plot episodes like you know the opening ones and a good man goes to war and let's kill hitler and the finale and everything but like really those are the stronger episodes with maybe the well i mean the doctor's wife is strong mm -hmm. i think you could argue about how standalone the girl who waited and the god complex are i think they kind of sure are somewhat standalone, but also play into, you know, the Doctor's character the arc theme. and the themes quite strongly. So even though the yeah. plot is standalone, yeah. I don't know that, like, thematically they are, really. Like, to me, like, you know, the big weak spots, like you said, are when they, like, drop the arc entirely. You know, it's like the Curse of the Black Spot, where just has no consequence and it just sort of comes out of nowhere and doesn't yeah. affect anything. And like you could remove it and like nothing would change yeah. really. Or like, you know, well, like the rebel flesh has this stuff about the flesh in it, but like all that's really there to do is to set up a good man goes to war. Like there's nothing in those episodes that's really that essential. Yeah. And I kind of feel like those two probably could, could have been, been one, one story. Episode. Definitely. Like, you know, you yeah. could have had one story there and maybe had an actual two-parter that was more in line mm. with the yeah. arc heavy yeah. stuff. Um, or, like, the final episode could have been two, perhaps. Yeah. Like, is in that sort of one of the criticisms yeah. that, like, he tried to stuff too much into the yeah. last episode. Um, yeah, so it's not... But, yeah, or even, like, like Night Terrors... Yeah. And, right. I mean, it's pretty standalone, yeah. and it's just not no. that... Like, I mean, it's fine. It's not terrible. Yeah. But it's also, like, I don't... I don't... Coming out of it, it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, I totally... Yeah. I think... So I think that's more... It's, like, not that the experimental stuff that he's doing doesn't work. It's just that it makes the, like, regular episodes seem a lot lighter mm -hmm. than they kind of used to. And so suddenly it's sure. like you go from, like, this, like, really heavy, you know, driven arc plot to, like, you know, 
the kind of filler episode. Um, but I like that Moffat is experimenting. Like, I don't mind the Russell Davies formula, but it's kind of nice to have Moffat come in and say, we don't have to do it that way. You know, we can shake it up and try to like, mm -hmm. you know, play around with, okay, what if we do do a two part beginning rather than a two part ending and what happens, you know, and yeah. you know, is that better? Not necessarily, but it's like a nice change of pace. Um, and I think it like the episodes that work really work. Like all the episodes we talked about are all really strong. So it's not like sure. it doesn't, it doesn't make the big episodes less successful. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, so let me just say, you know, but there is, there is reaction as to how successful that is. Um, so Moffat will continue experimenting, but his next experiment is to go the opposite direction. <laughs> and whether just for his own amusement or because he's responding to the criticism, you know, if season six is the arc heavy, you know, season, mm -hmm. season seven is probably the most standalone. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't any arc at all, or that there won't be any like plot to follow, but it's more, um, we won't, well, uh, for one thing, he does away with two parters entirely. Season seven has no two part episodes. That's not to say there okay. won't be any cliffhangers or like lead-ins, but the two-parter is sure. chucked, um, at least for the time being. Um, and mm -hmm. like I said, he makes... Which I'm okay with. I, I thought you would be. Um, so you can enjoy that for at least a season. I won't say how long that continues, right. but um, sure. for a while at least Fair enough. you get a break from that. Um, uh -huh. And... The other thing I mentioned before, too, was, like, using Let's Kill Hitler as a kind of template for how to promote an episode. So he said, you know, the words Let's Kill Hitler created more excitement than any trailers. So uh, so we get right. this kind of end plus what we talked about with that director, Nick Horan. What a tease. What a tease. And... With the director, Nick Horan, doing those episodes that are really, like, bold visually, too. So, you know, instead of two-parters, what we get are, like, almost episodes, like, presented as, like, little mini-movies. So, you know, some of them have really, like, punchy, sexy titles that get you really excited. And some of them just have, like, really strong, bold concepts. Um, and they all get, like movie posters like if you google any of the episode titles you'll get like the poster of the episode that they shot specifically oh, yeah. for it so this is like the new this it's is the new funny. concept of how the season is going to go um so we have that to look forward to yeah. um okay we didn't talk last time about much at all the kind of end of the arc really <laughs> um the fact that you know you mentioned well sorry go ahead 
Yeah, yeah, and you. Sorry, you might have just been about to say, yeah. Like the only thing that I, I was gonna say was that we, I was surprised that the end of the episode, the final episode mm. there, was not like that. There wasn't resolution to a number of yeah. things, uh, primarily the silence yeah. <laughs> that that. I was surprised that that was still sort of an mm. open thing. And now we have... More questions. <laughs> not, yeah, well, now we have questions, but we also have the Doctor going undercover. And, like, his companions... Well, they're not really his companions at the moment mm. anymore, right? So it's like, they sort of know that he's doing mm. something and off. But, like, are we... Are, you know, yeah, so now there's more questions. Things like, are we going to see the Doctor like doing a bunch of stuff sort of on his own? Or is he going to recruit someone new uh, to help him because he can't really go back to the right. people who he left behind kind of thing? Yeah. So there's a lot of that sort of thing going on. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, anyway. and I think... you. Um, we kind of noticed at the end of last season how uh, they wrapped up a certain amount of things, but left a lot of things open. Like, you know, the at the end of last season, we didn't know what the silence was at all. Um, and, sure. and we still don't know some things, like why the TARDIS blew up in the first place, which was what, you know, caused the whole cracks that had to be, like, fixed last time and you know through silence we saw or Mm. through cracks we saw silence like all this stuff is kind of you get the sense that that yeah somehow it's i guess i just took that as part of his regeneration though Mm. like that there was i mean that's i'm not saying that that's right because if you're questioning it then maybe i should have been as well but like i think i just took that as it was a particularly violent regeneration and the TARDIS needed some time to recover and oh yeah, by the way, it created these cracks in the universe. So that's interesting. I'll, I don't know that that was a question I was even contemplating. Well, uh, I think it's open-ended is what I'll say. Like we don't know for sure that may sure, be the okay. right answer or maybe close to the right answer or it may be something else. But I think yeah. Moffat's intentionally leaving open-ended things each season and one of the things in the blog that i shared that like millennium dome one about the end of the season one of the things that he kind of talks about is at the end of this second season you start to get a sense of like continuity between the second second Moffat season um yeah not only are they maybe a little bit more arc driven than they were before but you get a sense of Oh, you get overarching plots across seasons as well. Um, and right. so there are certain like 11th doctor things, which are like being explored. And, you know, he kind of, at this point, this was the most he'd seen. So this isn't spoilery. This was just his, you know, theory, but he kind Guessing. of, yeah. you know, theorized that it seems like a three act structure. Like, you know, you get sort of, certain questions opened in the first act 
you answer some but leave more in the second and now we're entering a third act so and also have characters in sort of a dire yeah. strait like in an uncomfortable position where yeah with the three act structure you would it's the end of the second act it's you know things can't or shouldn't continue on the way that they currently yeah. are so what's going to happen yeah hmm. interesting um, um so uh so that that brings up an interesting point so then did he know how long matt smith was going to be the doctor at the beginning of like if if that's i do remember mm. reading that because i did actually go back and read the thing but i don't i don't know i mean i know now because i know what happens sure. yeah you know with season 12 i mean i don't know details but i know that there's a new doctor mm. in season 12 so I don't know the details season eight, about you that. Mean, you mean the twelfth doctor? Or yeah, the twelfth yeah, yeah. doctor yeah, yeah, yeah. for season eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I I was right. I was getting the season and the doctor yeah, numbers yeah. mixed up. Um the other thing I was gonna say is that yeah, like like so it does the season does sort of end on this cliffhanger of like what is the doctor doing and what's you know what is the silence and yeah how is it going to fall and you know all of these other sort of things going on and i mean we've seen previous seasons that sort of flow into each other yeah. i mean certainly after after season after the uh first season mm -hmm. new who you know we get the regeneration right at the end and we see david tennant and it's like oh there's this new doctor but I don't know that I call that and, – and then it goes right into the yeah. Christmas episode and then right into, you know, the next one after that. So, you know, into the next season. And so – but I don't know that I call that like a cliffhanger. Right. Even though the even though there's continuity, pretty straightforward continuity right into the next episode. Like it's – it's and, and the same I would say even – I would say even with – seeing the regeneration of Tennant into mm. Smith uh, and the explosion, I mean, I guess on the one hand that is sort of a cliffhanger, but like, again, it's just sort of like, it's the regeneration yeah. of, I think, you know, the doctor, like that doesn't seem, even though it might technically be the cliffhanger, like that to me doesn't seem like as much of a cliffhanger as here. There's just all these sorts of yeah. open-ended things. Oh yeah. Going. I think like before, but, seasons had very much their own like individual concerns like you know mm -hmm. with Eccleston and Rose it's like setting up the time war and what happened and you finish it with yeah. you know the last act of the time war right and then you know the next season it's like Torchwood you know it's the Torchwood season where you see them create it with Queen Victoria sure. and then you wrap that up at the end and then the next season it's the master yeah. and well and you um, get well, and I was going to say, and then you get, like, Rose, but you also get sort of the cathartic yeah. burning up a sun yeah. to say goodbye yeah, like, moment and, and the, of, and like... seasons are, like, companions are, like, even though they come back, it's very clearly, like, that's the Rose season, or that's the Martha season, or, right. or the Donna season, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think with Moffat, you get more of, like, a bleed. Like, um... Like, now we've had Amy and Rory for two seasons now, and it's maybe a little bit unclear as to where they go from right. here. Like, how involved are they from this point on? Well, right. And 
like and Eddie River's River been all over been the place sort of on and yeah. off with like Hark, you know, same as right. like Harkness, you know, was like right. kind of back and forth, but like. So, yeah, so, like, now does that mean, like, River becomes more of a constant companion? Do we pick up a different companion? Right. Like, what's the, and, you know, what's going on And the same thing there? with, like, the arcs. Like, you know, I, I guess season five is all about, like, the cracks in time. But that still has something to do with the silence, which is still unresolved. You know, so now in, in you know, season six, we know who the silence are and what they want, but we don't know why they want it. <laughs> like, we don't know, you know, sure. what what is so dangerous about the question that means that it they're willing to go to such lengths yeah. to not have it answered. Well, and I want to talk about that because we and, didn't talk about the first question. Well, so. let's talk about it because I want to I talk about it too because we, we get the... So, you know, the silence will fall when yeah. the question is asked, but then there's the alternate mm. translation that we get, right, that of silence must fall. So, like, the question is, does that mean it's falling, like, on the doctor and, you know, things, everything mm. will be silent and the silence will rule and blah, blah, blah? Or does that mean... Because we know now, right, that the silence have been all over everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. for a long time now. And they're kind of, they're kind of the power structure. They're the, they're the sort of invisible mm -hmm. manipulators behind the scene. Does saying silence must fall when the question is asked mean that it's actually their downfall? Mm -hmm. You know, like is there could be alternate interpretations yeah. of the alternate uh, translation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Translation. Yeah. So like there's, there's a number of possibilities there of, you know, how does that, how does that play out? Is it actually, does it mean the doctor is the one who's in trouble or does it mean the silence is the one are the ones who right. are in trouble? So I don't, I don't yeah. know. That's just, complete conjecture on my part but like i mean and you would sort of expect that kind of ambiguity of course from yeah. doctor who so you know it's it's yeah, tough yeah. to say but um no but that's uh, all good stuff um and we oh yeah we get so we get the mention of the fields yes. of trends lore which i've heard references to before but i don't know what that means or what yeah. that is and um Neither did anyone when they watched this episode for the first time. Yeah, we haven't sure. heard I anything mean, like, about I've, it before. So I just mean like I've seen oh, stuff yeah. on like I'm Twitter sure you have. Like, referencing yeah. you um, know, Translore and whatever. But I don't I don't know what that like that's a name I could pick out. Yeah. You know, as a Doctor yeah, yeah. Who thing, but I don't know the implications. Yeah. So we have the Fields of Translore and the Fall of the Eleventh. Um which is another thing you could have fun. Uh, theorizing about because it seems like the obvious conclusion is the fall of the 11th doctor um, but sure. uh, also as uh, many things many, have there's an 11th. an 11th month you know um, there's there are other sure. things which are 11s which could, could end you know could be a family with lots of kids <laughs> the fall of the 11th child um, yeah so I think we are prompted by Dorium's like 
tweaking of the translation to maybe question what the the prophecy means and everything. Um, and then, of course, we have to mention that we learn what the first question is, you know, which, again, like the Buffy episode, talk about self-referential. It's kind of the most self-referential moment of anything ever, you know, of the first question. Yeah. What is the question, Doctor? And it, yeah, it's one of those things where it's so yeah, obvious when you hear when, it. You know, he's when he's calling yeah. it out, but I no, did me not neither. think that that was the no. question. And and I so. love that it. There's so much there. There's so many layers because, uh, you know, okay, the 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 question that must never be answered, hidden in plain sight. Okay, so we know it. They don't want it to be answered. The silence doesn't. So it's them saying it you know must never be answered we're not quite sure why yet um Mm -hmm. but it's hidden in plain sight which is you know the title um and you know and the notion that the question must never be answered from like a storytelling point of view like you know there were people up in arms about hearing this and and freaking out over the notion that Stephen Moffat would tell us the doctor's name you know um and even maybe even more than that people get upset they do they do anyway but but there is a sense of like wanting there to always be what how much information about the doctor would be too much information like so maybe not maybe his name is less important but just the question of doctor who who is he you know what is his origin what is he really where did he really come from like and i just mean like abstractly like you know mm-hmm. is there is there a sense in which that question must never be answered would that be the death of the show you know, like if we ever learn too much about him, and silence, and silence would, would fall, fall because, because there would we be would no get more canceled yeah, because yeah. it would totally jump the shark. Like we don't want to know that much about him, um, and you know, that is a very literal fear there. You know, um, which so I understand why people get upset, but then you also see that Moffat knows that and that's why he's playing with it. So you have to kind of go, well, right. Clearly he's aware of this. If he's writing it in, you know, I don't think he's going to make the doctor's name Jeff and tell us like, you know, every I, like, you know, minute detail about his origin story. Like yeah, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Um, yeah, but I think it's playing on that, you know, literal, that kind of, Jeff, Doctor Dr. Jeff. Jeff, um, and you know, so the question you've been running from all your life, you know, again, like there's something about his past, which is, you know, he, wh- why was it that he stole that TARDIS? Why did he leave his people and run away and become who he is? Sure. Um, and. You know, so then you get the big Doctor Who, like he's shouting the title of the show, you know, at the end. And then, you know, okay, you're going to reference the title, so we might as well totally break the fourth wall. So you get Matt Smith looking straight out into the camera, like totally like confronting the audience, like, 
you know. You're like, yeah. yeah, we're talking about the show. What of it? Um, so it's just a great ending. Um, and like I said, if you don't like the meta stuff, then you probably hate that. But I love it. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I do, too. So if you don't, well, okay. I mean, it's so I guess. And, and I enjoyed reading that part of that blog post that you sent too, because it, I, it didn't really occur to me on that level. So I like, I like that there is, yeah, there does need to be sort of some mystery about it. And that's, that's always the thing about good stories is that they don't necessarily always answer all your questions. You don't want them to, you want it to continue yeah. living sort of in your imagination. So yeah, I like mm -hmm. that as well. Um, and there's also, a, you know, job security reason why sure. you want to not Hey, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary here, so we want this thing to go for another 50 years. We, you know. Sure. We, we're sure. not looking to end it anytime soon, so. Um, but I think people misunderstood what Moffat was doing there and thought that he was doing the very thing he's playing you know he's kind of adding mystery but you know playing with the 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 danger of learning too much and i think people mistook that for actually learning too much um yeah so yeah, yeah. um well and speaking of revealing things like there's there's obviously the fact that the doctor whispers, you know, something to River during the sort of makeshift wedding ceremony, and it turns out not to no. have been his name. Uh, so no, but she does say before that she knows his name, and you know, and had learned it at some point. Right. So we know, we know, right? We know that at some point right. she learns, or will learn, or has learned right. His so name. how literally so. do we take that question, Doctor Who? Does that mean? who he is in the sense of as a person or does that literally just mean his name you know like remember madame de pompadour right. you know it's more than just a secret isn't it you know so moffat's been teasing this for a long time sure um right. so there's something significant about who the doctor is either in his person or in his very name itself um so right yeah, it's good questions. Uh, any other final thoughts on the season? I know we've, I mean, there's probably plenty. We could probably talk yeah. about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I have just one other quick thing. I don't have a ton more to say about the parenting theme because I think we kind of talked about it in the episodes. But I sure. just recently saw yeah. this quote for the first time, so I thought I'd share it, that um, when Davies was asked about the difference between his Doctor Who and Moffat's. What he said was that Moffat's stories are all about being a parent, which I thought was really mm. interesting. What a strange thing to pick, but that's what he chose. Um, and Moffat responded to that by saying, I used to write about dating, then about being married. I'm good at writing about what I'm doing. So the idea being if he's raising kids and writing Doctor Who, then that's what his stories turn out to be. So they seem to agree that that's sure. like, 
you know, and I think we can see that with the fact that Amy's story starts with her as the child relationship to the doctor. Um, it's just interesting. I don't know whether I would say that is the difference between them, but certainly it's a big one. Um, and then, I mean, yeah. for the characters, I think we talked about them a lot. I don't know. I guess the only thing I want to say about Matt Smith is just him developing his characterization. Like, I think you can see him really become a lot more confident this season. Like, it's less David Tennant influenced and more his own thing. Like, just his very, I think you really see it when he comes back in the, in the Christmas Carol and in the first couple episodes when he's had some time away to kind of think about it. He's got like a very yeah. specific mannered characterization that's really kind of unique. So um, it's nice to see him kind of like blossoming with the role and everything. Sure. Um, so unless there's any other thoughts that you had, that was kind of everything I had. Yeah. Uh, no, I think um I'm good at this point. I'm I'm curious to see, yeah, what the doctor does next and where we move on with uh, the idea of the silence and stuff. All right. I guess we'll see that. Although that'll have to actually wait another week well, because next week we are going to be publishing or publishing sharing on our podcast uh, rather than our normal Doctor Who episode or season analysis a discussion that we had with Dr. Corey Olson uh, last fall um, about Doctor Who and particularly we're going back in time a little bit our own selves uh, to season one uh, which is (laughs) he which he had is all that he had gotten to yeah like one and a half seasons Uh, or something like yeah. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. Okay, he was yeah. in the second season. That's right. Uh, oh, right. Because we talked a little bit about his dislike right. <laughs> right. at that point. Um, so that'll be our Doctor Who discussion, um, and we'll be back with another episode of Angel. Yep. So sounds good. See you then. <laughs>